I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Thank you for joining us uh, once again. So this is part two of my conversation with Vincent Ganna. Vincent is a spiritual teacher and a psychic therapist who combines his psychic abilities, academic credentials, and an all-loving approach to everyone in order to provide healing for the body, mind, and spirit. So Vincent has more than 38 years of training and research and has experienced the metaphysical and the psychological and the spiritual fields uh, of our existence in very different ways than you and I may have experienced it. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation in part one. In this uh, part, we continue to investigate truly the story of humanity and what we are all about, what would actually heal us and save us from our own self-sabotage and self-criticism and resistances that lead to behaviors that prevent us from fulfilling our dreams. As I had mentioned at the beginning of part one, Vincent uses a very different lens, if you want, a very different perspective of life, looking at the metaphysical and the spiritual, different than the typical scientific approach I would use to uh, look at things. But as we agreed, uh, there is an absolute gold nugget in every perspective Uh, through which we choose to look at life. So I hope you continue to enjoy the rest of this conversation with Vincent Gana. I wrote about this and and I fear that people will be very upset with me, but the truth is God makes things happen by setting the laws, setting the powers in you to make them happen. In Islam, the whole power of prayer basically says you will only be answered when you're super confident that God will answer. But basically, when you're super confident, it means that you've already answered. You've already that's right. witnessed you it. answered it yourself. Absolutely. That's perfect, Mo. That is perfect. And just the same as, oh my gosh, we misinterpret everything. We misinterpret everything in in the Bible. We pick and choose what we want to believe in order to condone our actions. And there is a psychological reason for that, actually. In my studies, and by the way, we haven't talked about it. Yes, I finally accepted my abilities and gave up professional acting because this was a far greater calling. And I use my entertainment ability. If you hear, I keep humor in. I actually even (laughs) sing at my events. No. Yes, I do. Because I, I have such important information to feed you. I've got to open you up. I've got to open your ears. I got to open your heart. I got to open your soul. And the way that I do that is through the training and the experience I had as a performer. Doesn't an actor do that when you're watching a movie? You're just putting yourself over in that actor's hand and you're crying and you're thinking and you're so I'm doing the same thing so I can feed you this information, right? So I now do that full time and working with people to try to teach them their greatness. But 
psychologically now, and that's and I've got my psychology degree, at my bachelor's of arts in psychology, and then my master's in clinical social work. I became a psychotherapist so that I could be both a psychic and psycho. <laughs> so I am a psychotherapist as well. And Mo, what the problem is, and it's not a problem really because it caused us, it allowed us to live over 11,000 years, is the two highest functions of the brain is one, to keep you alive. That's the highest function. The second highest function is to protect you. That's how it keeps you alive. One of the ways, okay? Now we know how the brain protects us physically. For example, the coronavirus, one of the symptoms of the coronavirus was a fever. Well, actually, it wasn't the coronavirus that caused the fever. It was your brain that caused the fever. Your brain raises your body temperature every time you have a bug or a bacteria or a virus in it to make it an unlivable environment and kill off the bug and the bacteria. So that's how it can protect us one way physically. Another way that it does when we faint. Fainting isn't because something bad is happening. It's actually because we're not getting enough oxygen through our system, which is our primary source of fuel and food. And your brain makes you dizzy and closes off your consciousness so that you fall to the ground and lay flat. When the body is laying flat and you're breathing, you're actually taking in more oxygen. Now, the brain isn't paying attention to the fact that a fever can be uncomfortable and it can even kill you. It doesn't care about the side effects. All it cares about is that it's got to protect you from that virus. Well, if it does it physically, what does it do for us emotionally? Because we have emotional pain and we can't survive with a lot of emotional pain. Well, for most people, the brain will create a new set of beliefs or defense mechanisms to help shield you from the beliefs you have about yourself that are hurting you. It's those original beliefs, the I'm nots, I call them. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not lovable enough. I'm not deserving enough. Whatever it is that we get from the messages of being raised from the environment, those negative messages, we harbor those terrible beliefs. So now... The brain, as it becomes more mature as an adult, will create these defenses so that you don't know you're believing in that. It actually pushes that aside. It doesn't go away, but it pushes it aside and it hides it. So now it'll give you a belief like, it's not me, it's my neighbor. It's not me, it's that black person. It's not me, it's that immigrant. It's not me, it's that Islamic guy. It's not me, it's the president. It's not me, it's the gay person, it's the woman. We come up with a whole bunch of excuses to shield the pain we're going through about and what we think about ourselves. It always starts with self-loathing before it becomes loathing of someone else or another group of people. And that has happened since we then incarnated and ate of that tree of knowledge because the defenses, we didn't need defenses when we felt great about ourselves, but we needed defenses when we started feeling bad so that the brain could keep us alive and keep us coping skills. They're called in psychology. Well, there are negative coping skills and there are positive coping skills. 
and some other negative coping skills of people who abuse substances. That's actually a coping skill for them. Drinking is a coping skill. If I drink enough, I'll forget my pain and then I can go to work tomorrow or continue in my day to day, even though it's causing dysfunction. Remember, the brain doesn't care about the side effect. It only cares about the immediate result. And the immediate result is I don't have to feel guilt if I blame you. That makes me feel better even though it's uncomfortable side effect and I may be thinking about it later on and I may have anxiety and my life may be falling apart, but instantaneously I can get through it if I blame you for it falling apart. And that's the child within us that causes that besides the brain itself, because again, children do that. I'm going to take my bat and ball and go home because you won't play by my rules. <laughs> I actually sometimes, and I rarely use it, but you know, sometimes when I talk publicly, I say, can we please stop behaving like six-year-olds? Like, you know, sometimes life will be difficult. Can you please stop saying, ah, mommy, you know, life is difficult for me and just get up and do something about it like an adult, right? Exactly. You see, you're even understanding it, but it doesn't, they can't do anything. We always hear people saying, you're acting like a child. Well, you know what? You're all, we're all acting like children at times. So we have to understand it's because we're an accumulation mode of our lifetimes. Everybody seems to think like I am not 66 years old. I am not 66. I have accumulated 66 years, which means little Vinny is still in me. That doesn't go away. My brain isn't like a hard drive of a computer that I can format and get rid of all the information. It's always going to be in there from the very first experience. Now, here's where the problem lies. Now, take that and plug it into the wall into power. Take that and plug it into the laws that you spoke about earlier that God created, the law of attraction. Okay? So now you're deep down self feelings that ray in the psyche is i'm not good enough i'm not lovable and now that is what's tapped in to the law of attraction and the power and exactly. the force and that's the stuff that's creating your life and so you attract people where the relationships aren't going to work they fall apart you sabotage them only because you never believed you were lovable to start with now your conscious mind is not paying attention to that. Just the same as your conscious mind isn't paying attention to every single thing that every single cell in your body is doing. You don't pay attention to what's going on in the deep part of you. And the funny part about that is Mo, out of the entire 100% of the human mind, only two to 5% of it is in conscious awareness. Two to 5%. That means 95 to 98% of the human mind is in unconscious awareness. People have no idea what's going on in the majority of their mind. So the next person who comes up to you and says, don't you tell me what I'm thinking? Don't you? I know me better than you know me. They're wrong. Chances are you probably do know them better than they know themselves. Because <laughs> they have no idea what's going on in that 95%. They don't know what they're thinking. Can we say this again, Vincent? I think this is really, really powerful. So 
everyone who is listening understand that the law of attraction will tell you that you're going to create what you focus on what you see what you observe right. what you what you believe is the truth is going to happen right you create right. your own life right and so many of us believe that we're not worthy believe that we're fat believe that this little belly is not right. going to go away believe this and that and the other and what we're doing by doing that is we're simply telling the universe telling quantum physics if you want telling the whole theory of how things are happening observe it and it will happen this is physics this is psychology this is the law of attraction if you're spiritual this is whatever you want observe it and it will happen this is prayer in religion and what are we saying to the world i'm going to fail so what happens you fail that's right right i'm not going to find a, a, a suitable man to come into my life what happens is you don't find the suitable man that comes into your life right how do you change that? <laughs> well, the first thing, Mo, and that's excellent, is number one, you have to acknowledge that you don't believe what you think you believe. And that's actually the majority of people. Oh, I love this statement. You do not believe what you think you believe. That's right. There is a deeper set of beliefs. And the way you can figure out what those deeper set of beliefs are is by looking at the outcome of your life. So if you have relationship after relationship after relationship and it's not working, automatically know, oh, it's got to be because I probably don't love myself or believe that I'm lovable. That's the only reason why I'm attracting relationships that aren't working. Otherwise, I would attract the right one. Or if you're not getting the promotions at work constantly, everybody else is getting ahead of you and you can't grow when you're not in a fulfilling job then just understand what you're really believing is you're not good enough. And if your finances are constantly living paycheck to paycheck, or you finally bring some income in and then something, a crisis happens and the income goes right out, acknowledge and understand that you probably don't think you're worthy enough to have abundance. And if your health is bad and you're constantly getting ill, don't believe that it's genetics because it has nothing to do with genetics. We're energies having a physical experience. That's what's meant by we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. Translated, we're energies having a physical experience. And the law of science and physics has shown us that energy manipulates matter. And if you're physical, you're matter. And that means your energy manipulates it. So whatever you're thinking, whatever you're suppressing, you're either charging your energy positive or negative. And you are causing your own health problems. And it could be because you believe you deserve it. So you have to acknowledge first that defense mechanism. And there's the adult set of beliefs. And in my book, I explain this so terrifically. I divide the brain, the mind, the image. You know that image? First, we started off with the image of an iceberg where there's only a small portion at the top above the water and then a big, large portion under the surface of the water. Well, that was the understanding of the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. They only labeled two minds at the time. It was Sigmund Freud who broke down the, the bigger part into two other parts. So there is the conscious mind, which is the smallest part, and then the subconscious mind, which is the intermediate part, and then the unconscious mind. And he always said that it's within the unconscious mind where knowledge resides. The subconscious mind is the automatic part. 
but it's not only just automatic in our body functions like breathing and the heart beating, that's the subconscious mind is controlling that, but also in our automatic thoughts, what we've trained it to believe, how we trained it to respond. For example, when you're walking, you don't have to think about how to walk anymore. You don't turn around and say, okay, I've got to take my right leg and I got to put it in front of my left foot. And now I got to pick up my left foot, switch my balance onto my right foot. If we thought that out, we'd never get anywhere. So it automatically happens. That's what the subconscious mind does. The unconscious mind and the unconscious part that harbors the soul's mind keeps feeding us the information that we need and guidance. And that's the largest part. However, in between those are what I call the environmental-made mind and the adult-made mind. I call the environmental-made mind because that's where we harbor the negative beliefs, the maladaptive beliefs we first learned about ourselves. That's between the unconscious mind and the subconscious mind because negative and positive don't mix. They're like oil and vinegar. So the mind has to put it in a separate compartment. And that compartment gets in the way of even your soul's mind and the guidance that's supposed to come up and wisdom and knowledge. It's like when we ask ourselves and ask out loud, why are people acting like that? Don't they know that that's not the way they're supposed to act? No, they've got such a big block between that understanding and their conscious mind. That's why they're not acting right. Then as you grow up, those maladaptive feelings, like I said, feel bad. So now the mind creates another section. The adult made mind world, the defenses are harbored. So now you have the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, the adult made mind, the environmental made mind, and then finally your unconscious mind where all wisdom and knowledge reside, all the way down at the bottom being suppressed. Well, what is training the subconscious mind is the defense mechanisms and the maladaptive self-beliefs. So now when you're trying to create something, you think the adult made mind, the information that's coming in is only getting as far as the adult made mind. It's not getting into the crux of it because the law of attraction is down below that. And so when you think you've learned about the law of attraction and all these, this new shift in consciousness, all this information is out there by the truckloads. And people are reading about it and taking classes and watching videos and uh, movies and all of this stuff. And like I said, the reason why they can't make it work is because they're not processing it with the full part of who they are. They're processing it with the fake part of who they are. So and another term, another way of putting that is a lot of people say, well, I know intellectually this information but I can't feel it in my heart. That's another way of putting it. It's not getting down because of the stuff that's in between. And so they've got to acknowledge that stuff. They've got to acknowledge the defense mechanisms, and then maybe they will be able to apply. But people have to be willing to hear originally what they really do believe about themselves. That's their greatest fear. They think what they believe about themselves is true. The deep stuff, the bad stuff. Do you believe that this unconscious mind, so is this connected to what sometimes is referred to as the universal consciousness, the idea of all of us? So you as a psychic being able to see more than right. normal people allow themselves to see, is that because in that unconscious mind is the knowledge of everything? 
It is, but like I said, what I had to do, Mo, is I had to break through those other minds that are getting in the way, the resisting, because part of the defense mechanism is to push down, right? So again, the adult made mind, and right below the adult made mind is that environmental made mind where all the negative self feelings are. And then right below that is the unconscious mind, or even Carl Jung called it the superconscious mind, because that's where the soul is. Okay. So the maladaptive feelings want to come up. I'm not good enough. I'm bad. I'm this. I'm that. Right. The defense mechanisms don't trust anything that's coming up from beneath the surface. So it pushes it away. It denies it. It talks yourself out of it. So you may get a message like, don't go into that bar today. Why don't you go to the restaurant down the block and have dinner there? And you may get this feeling surging up because your soul is telling you something. But then the defense mechanisms or your left brain starts to kick in and say, oh, that's silly. Oh, that's just a ridiculous thing coming up. That's a fear of mine. I'm not going to listen to it. It's pushing it away because it doesn't trust what's coming up from within because they think it's one of those negative feelings about yourself. And I'm not going to pay attention to that. And what happens? You go into a bar, a fight breaks out, somebody lands on your table that hits your leg, you break your leg, you walk out of there going, ah, see, it's my luck. Everything happens to me all the time. That's bad. Like, no, you dummy, you weren't listening to your intuition. You talked yourself out of it because you didn't trust what was coming up beneath the surface. What I did, Mo, and what everybody has to do, I worked the past 37, almost four decades on healing myself from my story. Because as you heal those maladaptive beliefs and those defense mechanisms, you're releasing again your soul. And so that's how I even develop my psychic ability. We only have one channel. Let's say that pyramid is like here, right, right here on your chest. And you got your conscious mind, your subconscious mind, the adult made mind, the maladaptive mind, the soul's mind. Well, the channel that goes through from the soul's mind to your conscious mind is what's clogged with all that middle stuff. I had to work on it to open it up. The more you work on opening up your heart, getting rid of all the negatives, getting the self-doubts out, the self-loathing out, the hatreds, the resentments, whatever your negative is, the more you work on healing yourself, which is the whole purpose of a spiritual journey, the more you're opening yourself up to your greatest gifts and who you are. And that's what I did. So now, not only, so I started out as a psychic, and then a couple of years later, I started seeing deceased people so that I can now be a medium. And then years after that, I started being able to communicate with animals. And then years after that, now I'm communicating with extraterrestrials, our higher brothers and sisters from other universes, because the channel is open and I'm connected to the dimension every single human being is connected to. But it starts with the self-healing and then, of course, practicing listening to that inner voice, that soul. People aren't used to listening to their souls. They don't even know how to command it and ask it questions. They're busy. I mean, don't blame them. They're busy. They're going to work and going to restaurants and watching football. I mean, what can well, you, you do? You know what? <laughs> you can do all of that connected. You're supposed to. So that way, when you're at work, you're sitting there going, okay, I have this project I'm supposed to do. What's the best way of doing this? Hold on a second. Let me just see. Okay. 
All right. I got some good feelings about it. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, self. Okay. And tap into everything. Okay. I'm going to a football game. Let me really enjoy the here and now. Let's enjoy this. My friends are here. We're watching this together. Okay. I'm walking down the street. I'm seeing some of my brothers and sisters. Let me tap in. Oh, I see that maybe this person needs some help. I'm getting a feeling that I can go and help this person. If you are not living connected to your soul's mind, your higher consciousness, you are just connected to the human self. And that's where all trouble and negativity resides. You're living in a mundane world. I talk to myself all day long. I mean, sometimes I get into an argument and I lose the argument. <laughs> but I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to my higher self all day long. If I'm not doing that, then I am listening to all the negative stuff. Then my mind is wandering. And then I'm getting caught up in things and I start worrying. The minute I start feeling anything anxious or negative, I realize I'm not listening. I'm not connecting. I just disconnected from my higher self. And I'm just using the tiny little human part of me when we're so much greater than that and more than that mo. There is a sentence that you mentioned that I cannot let go of. I really have to ask you about it. You said this is the soul's journey. What is the soul's journey? So we come here, we're part of this dimension, we're part of this physical form that we are. We live 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it is, but we live just in a physical form. The non-physical part of it, the soul part of us is always alive. It's alive before, during, and after, right? So the soul is coming through this dimension for a journey. What is this journey? Yeah, what's it to discover who we are? That's it. Remember I said we were little suns and in order to find your light, well, in order to see what your light is, you have to experience yourself. So there are things we know because we were created by a higher intelligence and force and created in its image. So we carry all its knowledge, but we don't know what we know until we experience it. An example of that is when we go to school. I remember learning algebra in school, and I was great at math on paper, but I never understood it, really, until the first day I had a job, and I went out and bought my first pair of jeans, and they were on sale for 20% off. And now I experience, oh, this is what a percentage is. Now I get it. So I just saved money instead of spending you know 20 bucks on the pair of jeans i got them for less now i understand what a percentage is so we understand and teachers tell you that all the time you may know this information but you don't own it until you experience it that's the exact same reason why we come here is because we don't know what we know we don't know all of this wonderful stuff about ourselves until we experience it. Love, when you teach a child what love is, they have no idea of the concept of love until you keep associating it with that hug, with that comforting, with that being around. And as they grow and they keep experiencing more of that, then they can say, oh, I understand what this word love means. And so that's what our journey is. We only have one to discover ourselves as who we are. People have asked me, well, if it's so great on the other side, when we get to the other side, why do we come back? Well, some of our greatest spiritual teachers told us that. One in particular on my end, 
is Jesus. Jesus turned around and said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's not a place. Don't look for it to be a place. So heaven is within you here or heaven is over there. And you can carry with you your personality over there. Once you get over there and you look back to over here and you see what you did or what you didn't do and you go, holy moly, did I mess that up, right? <laughs> oh, away. You're sitting with that. And so you're the guides and the loved ones, whomever's around you at the time that you're on the other side, they're like, you seem to be feeling bad about your last lifetime. But you really think you want to be left with that feeling? No, I, I don't. I don't know what to do. Well, you got a lot of choices. You know, you can understand it and you can release it and just let it go. Or you just have to do something to help you to understand it. Maybe you need to go back there again. You know, maybe you need to live a different lifetime in order to get rid of that bad feeling. The problem is we're not used to getting rid of the bad feelings. And that's because of the concept of retribution versus restitution. If you look at us here on this planet, we're all about retribution. Another phrase for that is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We think we're beyond that. Don't tell me that. No, we're not. If somebody hurts us, we want to hurt them back. If somebody commits a crime, we want to punish them. If somebody look at our system of capital punishment here in the United States, it doesn't matter whether every state is or hasn't done. It's not abolished. It's not illegal to put a criminal to death when it should be. And when you ask the victims and the survivors of those victims, if they feel more consoled now that the perpetrator was put to death, their answer is no. But we think we have to do that because that's, you know, retribution. Whereas restitution is where the mercy of the divine is shown. When we can turn around and say, that was a really stupid choice I made then. I should have never gotten into the car after I drank. I killed that entire family. Okay, um, um, that's something I'll never do again. I forgive myself. I hope they forgive me too. But I'll learn not to do that again. That's restitution. But here's where the problem is. Because of that dang retributive attitude, we will put ourselves through hell. Karma is not a law. It's a principle. The idea of what you sow, so shall you reap is actually only a principle that you do not have to experience. And that's because of the law of mercy and the idea of restitution. Because like I said, if you've done something wrong in a physical life, you do not have to go through something bad to make up for it. You choose to because of guilt, because of bad feeling. So it was thought of, and think about who created the concept of where it started from over in Eastern world in India, they thought of the idea of karma. And they named it well because they were looking as examples. Well, it must be because they did something wrong or they did something right. But the same group of people also created the caste system understanding. So the idea was that if you were born into wealth, that's your karma. You're meant to be born into wealth so nobody else can get wealthy. 
except those who are already wealthy. If you're born a poor person, it's because you're meant to be born a poor person. You're being punished for something you did in a past life. That's karma, okay? Without the understanding that they may have this understanding to help somebody. So two people may be walking down the block and they see a person drowning in a lake and they'll turn around and they'll say, oh, that must be that guy's karma. That's too bad. Without realizing that their karma could be that they're supposed to jump in and save that guy. But they didn't understand that. So we will choose things. And here is an example of that in this, this physical world. We will choose to put ourselves through hell and crap to make up for so that we can let go of our guilt. Look at the planet today, and guys in particular do this. You see a bunch of friends playing football. They're just tossing around the ball and they're playing a simple game of football. I'm not talking professional, just a group of friends. And in the process of them playing, and one guy goes to tackle his best friend and, and hits him in the eye with his elbow. Right now, his friend's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, my eye, my eye, my eye. Oh, and his friend is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You know what? Go ahead, punch me. Punch me real hard so that I can, I can make up for a punch. Do we see that? I'm not lying, am I? Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. If we have a stupid attitude like that, like I'm going to feel better if you hurt me now, what do you think we have when we're on the other side and we're feeling unlimited? You mm -hmm. will do the same thing. Punch me, hurt me, kill me, rape me, violate me, because I have to make up for something I did wrong. And that's what's perpetuating. That's why we forgot our connection to our higher self. Pain separates you from God, not draws you closer to suffering, separate you. It separates us from each other. It separates us from ourselves. It's certainly going to separate us from our highest source. The moment we felt suffering like that, we were felt abandoned. We felt neglected. We felt resentful. We felt angry. And now we start retaliating because of that. Once again, and I love, I love, love this conversation because I'm very interested and keen. And like you, I think religion made a lot of mistakes, but there is so much beauty at the core of it. And again, in Sufism and Islam and some of the Eastern religions, it is believed that after the soul leaves the body, there is no judgment, if you want. As a matter of fact, the idea is you look at your own work and you judge yourself. You know, it's in Arabic, we say, which basically means you are enough of a judge of the quality of the work that you've done. That's perfect. And what you're saying here is that reincarnation in a way, which normally don't overlap with Christianity, Islam, or Abrahamic religions in general, is that the soul would say, holy shit, I fucked up. I need to come back. I need to fix this. Yes, for the most part, yes. Then there are other times where we say, you know, that felt so good. I want to experience that again. <laughs> video gamers. That's serious video gamers. Video gamers, but I also make a damn good pizza from a family recipe at Christmas time. 
And I know that I've been coming back for a long time experiencing that pizza when my grandparents and great grandparents were making it because it's so damn good. And so <laughs> we see that. And you know where that is shown? If people see the movie, What Dreams May Come, that's with Robin Williams and Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, yeah. What Dreams May Come. It talks, it's so perfect because it talks about what death is and death is exactly what you think it is until you can accept what it really is. And in the book of Revelation, God says, my children will overcome the earth eventually. And what God meant by that was, we will find that we don't need to keep coming back here anymore. And we shouldn't be because we are so archaic. We are not moving forward anymore. Actually, we our consciousness is, like I said earlier, and the information is coming out to more people now and even accepted by more people because of television and all the television shows and the books that are out there. But in actuality, our evolvement, we're here way too long. In matter of fact, I was told that we're imploding because since we are powers think about this we are that power because we are not learning how to open up that those capacitors and those governors they're called within us and those valves all that energy is getting stuffed inside of us that it's becoming very frustrating and anxious and we're imploding and exploding. Our health are going down the crapper, our health. I mean, we are getting diseases. I was a hospice social worker and people were dying of cancers of the pinky fingernail. Fingernail oh. cancer is where it started and then it metastasized everywhere else. Cancer of the tongue, cancer of the clitoris, cancer of the penis. Holy crap, all these things. It's because we're not evolving fast enough and we keep coming back over and over again without tapping in and using all that power. So it's got to go somewhere. I myself have or had, well, I still actually still have it, a schwannoma tumor right at the base of my brainstem. And it got to a certain size and I finally learned how to control it where I can at least stop the growth, but it is growing up into my spinal column. And if it goes any deeper or gets any bigger, it can shut off all my higher functions. And a schwannoma, your nerve, your spinal column is made of schwann cells because that's the name of the doctor who discovered the spinal column in itself. Mm. So it literally my own nerve overgrowing and causing a tumor. Now, where did that come from? That came from all the resistance I had in using the power once I opened it. I was so afraid of who I was. I didn't want to be looked at bad. I didn't want to be labeled and judged or be a woo-woo psychic and people think I was crazy. So I was suppressing all of that power to the point that I have a tumor right there. And if I don't release it and let it all out, it for sure will grow. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a dangling over my head. So people, so I'm being told that people are exploding here, literally in anger and violence, 
because they're not able to use their power. We're coming back to this earth way too much, too many times. We've got to get over this planet. We're even hurting the planet with our energy. We're causing all these freaking storms. Look at what just happened recently. The first two tropical depressions winds up destroying an entire city and area and a group of people. And today, what I just heard is an apartment complex in Florida, southern Florida, a third of it collapsed. And there was over 100 residents living in that apartment. It literally collapsed. 12 stories collapsed, killing all the people that were in residence on that side of the apartment complex. These are terrible things that we are feeding into because we are exploding here. And we got to learn fast. We need your show. We need people like you who are willing to put people like me and my information out there so that people can learn. We've got to start forgiving ourselves, loving ourselves, and don't stop that work until you see the results turning positive in your life. Your life is a perfect reflection of everything you're doing right and everything you're doing wrong. And yes, I'm going to say that. All right. I am tired of my, my group of people, my colleagues saying that everything is perfect. If there is no right, there is no wrong. A child who is molested, that is just out and outright wrong. You committing suicide, that is just out and outright wrong. And not caring about yourself, hurting a neighbor. I don't want to hear all of this crap about that it's going to be okay. It's perfect timing. And we grow from pain. We grow from pain. No, the reason why we grow from pain is because we're divine beings and we're turning it into something positive. We don't need the pain to grow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so tired of that. And I'm, I, and I'm sorry, you just experienced my Italian New York come out. Oh my God, where's the soapbox? I don't know where it is. I feel like I should be on 42nd Street passing out pamphlets and telling everybody the world is coming to an end. But you know what? It is in a way. It is in a way. We're killing ourselves. This is a replication story of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the whole reason why that story was put in the Bible. It had nothing to do with God destroying the, the Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a metaphor about how we are capable of destroying ourselves and with the power that we had. And what was the answer? What was the only thing that was going to stop that destruction? Lot waking up 11 people, just enough, a critical mass of good people walking a spiritual journey. That can stop the destruction. But you know what scares me, Mo, right now? Is there are so much crises going on in the world that not even enough people are still awakened. And so I feel more motivated, more now than ever, to try to awaken people because we don't need everybody awakened. We only need a critical mass. A critical mass means a small amount of one thing that can be more powerful than something else. So we need a small amount of the positive that will be more powerful than all the negative that's going on. It's mm. why there's in an atom, there's one protein that holds a whole bunch of electrons around it, one positive, and that's positive electron is negative. So one proton holds electrons because it is so strong. That's the same concept of, of critical mass. So we've got to wake up people. I'm actually 
I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic. Being scientific as I am, I actually believe it's only realistic to understand that our world is not on the right track. And like you said so accurately during this conversation, our world is our own creation. It's not on the right track, not because the winds have changed speed. The winds have changed speed because we have made them change speed. There is no so much violence in, in the world, not because the human psyche is changing or there is more need for violence. It's because we're showing people violence every day on TV. We're making violence become normal. So people are now proud to be violent. And these are our own acts. And the idea is, actually, this is exactly how I finish my next book, which is coming out in September. The idea is one person is all that it takes. And that one person is you. You know why? Because if it takes 100 people to change the world and we have only 99, the day you join us is the day you change the world, right? We need that one last person. We need that one extra person that is you, right? And I really think, I love the way you said it, that the soul's journey is about finding yourself. Stop running around trying to find what the world is telling you you should find. Stop running around trying to chase all of that illusion that has nothing to do with your real self. Find yourself and finding yourself is partially in this physical world, but mostly on the other side. Can we please try to go through that journey? And I think if enough of us wake up, everything becomes different. I agree a hundred percent to that. Absolutely. And I, I love your whole analogy about the one and that it just takes one. That concept and understanding is written in so many different ways. But let's stay on the science. What do we start out as when we are first created? One cell that is fertilized by one sperm. Now, that sperm can be our consciousness our understanding and our accepting that we're divine. And the moment we fertilize ourselves as one person, we divide, that cell divides into 33 billion different cells from one cell. So we have examples of that. One seed grows an entire forest. One whatever. We have examples of that over and over and over again to try to remind us and wake us up that it only takes one person. And for me, all that torment I went through, I lost that self-belief until I met this special person in my life. And I met her at a very young age. And she saw me, the real me deep down, not the person with the fears, not the jerk that I turned into to cover up all my insecurities because I needed to be liked so much I would do stupid things at the harm of other people. But she saw the real me. She believed in me and always has. When I'm at my lowest, she still believes in me. When I went from wanting to be an actor to now being a spiritual teacher and psychic therapist, she believed in that. She believed in me. There is what it takes. It always helps to have at least one person believe in who you are. And you know, between you and me, that's two of us that believe in everybody. And there's a lot of other people out there that believe. We wouldn't be doing our work and continuing to do our work, Mo, if we still didn't believe. I can have the worst client on the phone with me talking about how miserable they are and how upset they are, or how angry they are at the world. And I still believe in them. 
and I see the goodness and the greatness, and that's my gift. I get to see about them what they don't get to see about themselves so much because of all those layers that's really hiding who they are. And so through one hour or 30 minutes on the phone with me, they get to see themselves through my eyes. That's the healing where the healing starts. I totally, totally buy into that. It's the biggest gift ever to just look someone in the eye and say, I believe in you. And by the way, you can stumble and that's okay. And I'm still here. I think that's the biggest gift ever. Another gift is our conversation today, Vincent. You are wonderful. And I absolutely loved every minute. This probably is the longest recording we've had so far. We're going to split it into two parts. And I think people will be very happy with that. And I'm so grateful for your time. So grateful for your generous sharing and openness and vulnerability. Wonderful conversation. I cannot thank you enough. Oh my God, you did. You have thanked me enough. Wow. So we went everywhere with that conversation. I, I don't know what your opinion is on all that Vincent spoke about. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, I believe that some of those dimensions that we've never visited do exist. I have no scientific evidence for that whatsoever. And I have to say openly as an engineer, as a mathematician, as a logical and analytical person, I sometimes fail to find the proof of those stories. And accordingly, my way of looking at them is I neither approve of them or disprove of them. I put them in a place that in my mind I called compartment two which is things that are neither provable nor uh, deniable and maybe possible and worthy of consideration without judgment. Whichever way, I have to say I absolutely loved the conversation. I loved Vincent as a person, and I hope you did too. I think uh, it was a fascinating conversation. I hope you continue to enjoy joining me twice a week here on Slow Mo to find a bit of time in your busy, busy schedule to slow down. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.